Welcome to the Art of Holiness podcast, where we are creating conversations and communities that expose the kingdom of God. This is a New Room Network podcast. Here are your hosts, Carolyn Moore and Pierce Drake. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Holiness podcast. So grateful that you are with us. Carolyn, how are you today? I am doing so good. You know, these conversations have been such a source of encouragement for me. Um, I have really loved taking time out of, of the day in such an unusual time right. to reconnect with what really matters. And so just grateful to you for sharing this with me. Grateful to these uh, com- these folks we've gathered for conversation, just amazing voices and so grateful to our listeners for staying with us. Just yeah. means a lot. It yeah. means so much. And we rarely do this. If you listen to our podcast, we rarely talk about this. But it really is important. We would love for you to rate and review us and and, and share these episodes online. And and uh, it just helps us get the word out. Here's the thing. like The word is not based around anything that we're saying, but what our guests are bringing to the table. And, and it, it's so deep and yeah. it's, it's so meaningful. If, if these voices are the direction you want to see the body of Christ go in, right. then leave leave a review. Uh, make a comment, recommend it all. It all makes a difference in the algorithms. That's so right. Thank That's you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, the one we've got today is, oh my goodness, such a sweet and humble spirit. Right. Uh, Kevin Queen is with us today, the pastor of Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He served for a season at 12 Stone Church in Atlanta and then was called to Cross Point in 2018, one of the largest churches in an area with a lot of big churches. <laughs> right, right. So, so we're not we're not interviewing Kevin because he leads a large church. We are talking with him because he goes passionately after a big God. He yes. is a student of revival movements. Uh, he has a story to tell about his walk into that whole world. Um, he is a prayer. He is a man of deep and faithful prayer. And he'll talk about how he learned to go deep into prayer and let God lead. And he has so much to say about spiritual mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a real privilege to bring uh, uh, one of our one of our fellow Georgians into this conversation. And so you're going to love this. Stay tuned afterwards. We've got lots to unpack. It really is great to be with you, Kevin. Thank you. You are from our neck of the woods. Yes. You're a UGA graduate from Atlanta with a stint at 12 Stone Church, now serving in Nashville. You have now caught Pierce and me both in that net. So what is the spiritual thread that ties all those places together? Uh, Well, first off, thanks for letting me come and join you in a conversation. Um, Everything that you've You've made your uh, your podcast and your conversations about those are things that are just near to my heart. So uh, so I'm grateful to be able to sit with you. Wish we could be in person, but uh, but grateful to be uh, connected like this and to see That's your right. see your faces. Um, I, you know, I grew up in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and uh, and my mom and dad, um, my mom and dad were kind of in the party scene, a um, little bit of hippie, a little bit of disco, and uh, and they uh, they ended up coming to Christ in a church called Central Baptist Church. It's a little 150-seat church in uh, in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And back in the day, Lawrenceville wasn't real big, but uh, but there was a mighty move of God in that church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my mom, 
uh, mom came to Christ and then uh, they prayed for a year that my dad would come to come to faith and come to Christ. He, uh, he came to, he came to faith at that church as well. There were, um, there were, it was 1200 people that came to faith, came to Christ in that church in 18 months. And, uh, and so a little 150 seat, it was a man named Leonard Ravenhill, uh, who came yes. and preached there. And, uh, and there was just Glenn Shepherd was the pastor, pastor there, pastor Glenn Shepherd. And, uh, and what's, what's crazy is Glenn Shepherd ended up his last Sunday there. He was a revivalist. Mm-hmm. Glenn Shepherd's last Sunday there was Christmas Eve. And that was the service where my dad came to church and on Christmas Eve. Glenn Shepherd was preaching passage where, where Jesus says, it's better than a millstone be tied around your neck that you would cause a little one to stumble. And, uh, and my dad heard that and it pierced him to the heart. He was on the mm. front row wow. and, uh, and he thought that's the lifestyle that I'm living. You know, he was a, mm. he was a wild man. He's, you know, he was a, he had morals, but he was, you know, kind of living a different, uh, different way. And, uh, um, and, uh, and so he, he, he ended up getting pierced to the heart and he ended up, uh, praying to receive Christ. And he got into the lobby and Glenn Shepard said, he said, Frankie, he said, I know why you're here. You need to be saved. Huh. And uh, in the <laughs> lobby, the pastor said that to him and uh, they've been praying for him for a year. My dad dropped his knees and mm. he, uh, he received Christ in the lobby. And so my mom and dad made a decision right there. They were like, uh, at that church, they're like, we won't go to a church that's dead. Uh, we're going to be a part of a church that's alive. And so they ended up going from that church to another another Baptist church and then another Baptist church. We ended up at Hebron Baptist Church, a large church in Decula, Georgia. And uh, that's where I grew up. And, uh, and it was a church where God was God was obviously moving. And uh, a lot of people were coming to Jesus, hundreds and hundreds of people being baptized a year. And ended up... Um, being being in church there and thought that was uh i didn't know there was any other churches other than baptist churches <laughs> so i was, I was that's just kind of the little world that i was in but i did have my eye on this cute little girl that was a part of a methodist church i had a uh i had a i had a buddy of mine who was a methodist pastor david walters and uh but he was in a methodist church a methodist youth group and and we just you know we were good good buddies and um and i ended up uh, ended up going to tacoa falls graduate high school Ended up going to Tacoma Falls College, and uh, and which is a Christian college, thinking maybe I would go into ministry. And I, uh, it's crazy. I ended up, um, I ended up going. My 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 wife now, girlfriend then, she was at UGA, and she was going to this place called the Wesley Foundation. And I would drive from Tacoma, Georgia, to Athens, Georgia, on Wednesdays to go because I'd never experienced anything like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tacoma was a good college, but I there was just such a move of the spirit there where I just make yep. that drive and. And, uh, and actually it was after, um, after that year at Tacoa that I ended up, uh, I ended up finding a verse in Thessalonians where Paul says, when I could stand it no more, I left for Athens. I took that verse and I put it up <laughs> on my door and I was like, I was like I'm going to Athens. it was partly because of Wesley and the other part was because of Reed. And, you know, Reed was there and, uh, and so I wanted to be with her. And, uh, and so I ended up going and, uh, and just jumping in with what God was doing. And Bree just saw her faith come to life. I'd known her since eighth grade. I met her in eighth grade. And we went to high school together. We we're good friends. And just uh, just fell in love with what God was doing in Athens at the Wesley Foundation. And then ended up uh, ended up graduating and uh, graduated with a degree in advertising. I went to work for my dad in the family business. He had an invitation for me to do the family business. Worked there for about, uh, for about three months, and I was miserable. Because I knew wow. that there was just a vocational call on my life, and I thought, man, if I if I tell my dad I'm leaving the family business, he'll be crushed. And I remember I worked up every bit of courage that I had, sat down with him, and I said, Dad, I think God's called me to ministry. Wow. And he uh, he walked around the desk, and he came and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, I bless you, son. And, uh, and wow. so I just started going to seminary, and I went to seminary for a while, and and no churches would uh, would hire me because I didn't have 
uh, seminary finished. I didn't have ministry experience. And so we started a ministry for high school students on Saturday nights. And there were a group of people who were part of the Wesley Foundation. And really, you know, when there are these moves of God, when when there's an outpouring of the Spirit, they'll take these streams of that movement. And so we yeah. were seeing that happen on Saturday nights. There was an old church in downtown Marchville where the pastor gave us the keys and said, you can use the church on Saturday night. And so we had we were having 300, 400 high school students come together. And we just saw wow. a lot of students come to faith in Christ. A lot of students are who are now in ministry in other places, you know, and right. yeah. worship and pastors just came off of that movement. And, uh, and so we did that and called it downpour, which was a cool name, you know, back then. Yeah. Uh, Saturday nights. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of those guys who helped lead it really, it was a collaborative approach. And a lot of those guys who are, are now leading in churches and in vocational ministry as well. And so ended up getting hired to work at Hebron, the church that I grew up at. And, uh, and I went there and I worked for about Gosh, I worked there for for about a year and a half, and um, and it was a lot of managing Sunday school and uh, managing mm. programs that always nothing against Sunday school, but it was just the what I saw at Wesley. I expected that when I got a ministry job, it was going to be like that, yeah. and it was more it was more managing institutional than than leading um, leading spiritual renewal spiritual movement. So yeah. I was miserable again, and uh, and y'all, I uh, I didn't know what to do because mm. I felt um, I felt. Like Re was expecting our, our first child, and uh, and so I fasted and prayed for forty days. Uh, first time I'd ever done a fast like that, y'all. I I, I don't know that I'd ever fasted um, more than a. I fasted at Wesley when we were part of Wesley. Taught me that discipline, but then yeah. brought it in. And I just since God said fast, pray forty days. Did that, and uh, and I end up. Um, we were about thirty days into that fast, and Re and I just asking God what was next. And I end up meeting Kevin Myers, who's pastor at Twelve Stone Church. Twelve Stone is a Wesleyan church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, large. At that time, is about thirty five hundred people, and I met him at uh, at, at Starbucks, and he said, uh, he said, you, um, he said, maybe you're, uh, huh, maybe you want to be our high school pastor, like just in the conversation. And I said, um, I said, I'm not interested. I said, I'm a church planner. I'm going to go plant churches, you know. Uh, and yeah. he said, well, you should talk with Dan Ryland. And the day before, I'd listened for a tape, listened to a tape with John Maxwell and Dan Ryland, and they were talking, John Maxwell was talking about Dan Ryland. It was those little uh-huh. enjoy tapes. You remember what tapes are? These I remember, uh, yeah. Cassettes, <laughs> they were these things that you would, that you would, you know, that you would, Pierce, I don't know if you're familiar with tapes, but like- I am, these, I uh, am. Okay, right, I can so. go back to Stephen Curtis Chapman and The Great Adventure okay. and <laughs> Keith Green. Listen, I grew up in South okay, Georgia, so we were like married. we were like 50 years behind in South Georgia. Oh, yeah. so. That's right. They may still be using tapes. They still, yeah, they may be, still be using tapes. <laughs> so we used these. Yeah, you know, we took this took this tape and listened to that tape about Dan Ryland, and I was like, I just heard his name for the first time the day before. Met with Dan Ryland, talked with him, y'all. This is crazy. Dan said, uh, "Bring a picture of your family and your resume," and I brought a picture of Rhea and I. Show him the picture, and he says, "You're you've lost some weight." He said, "Are you dieting?" And uh, I said, no, he said, are you fasting? And I was like, I can't lie, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm fasting. And he said, what are you fasting for? I said that God would prepare me to be a, to be a daddy, because I've never been a daddy before, that he'd prepare me to be a husband and a daddy, because I've never done both of those things, and that he would change me or change where I'm at. And, uh, and he said, uh, he said, what are the dates of your fast? I said, September 1 to October 10th. He said, Kevin, the pastors and elders of our church are fasting for September 1 to October 10th for new high school pastor. Wow. The exact same dates that I was fasting. Wow. So I was like, that's it. So I went to 12 Stone and just experienced a move of God there. And for 14 years, I was there. And uh, and then God, um, about three years ago, just picked us up. And it's a crazy story, long story, but he picked us up and he put us here. I tell you that story to go. I think that that story of 
desire for a move of God, that story for um, for prayer and fasting, that story for a desperation for God and God's sovereignty over seats, his sovereignty over positioning. Yeah. Um, that God God moves the piece that we play checkers and God plays chess mm-hmm. and God mm-hmm. moves things in a way to establish um, kingdom leaders for a kingdom move. And I believe that's what he's doing in our day and he's doing our time is that we're going to see an outpouring like we've never seen before. And God wants to establish men and women of the spirit who mm-hmm. um, who who will not who will not settle for management of institutional life, but will put up the sale and uh, and allow the wind of the spirit to blow and mm-hmm. to follow his follow his spirit. So prayer and fasting, yeah. those are our weapons. Like those yeah. are the things that that's we right. that we have, right. and that's part of that theme right. of just revival. And I think really, and I tell you something really cool. We we got some more time. Oh, you're yeah. good. You're good. So good. I was I was getting ready to start a uh, start a. Uh, uh, fast for this awaken Nashville. We maybe talk about that later on, but I was getting ready to start that, and I got a email from Glenn Shepherd, my mom and dad's pastor back at Central Baptist Church. And he said, "He said, Kevin, I'm going to be coming through town. I'd like to meet." And I'm like, "What? Did I email him? Or because I was thinking I'd love, you know, uh, I'd love to meet with him." I had, y'all, that was kind of like this quiet prayer with God. He comes in and we sit down and he tells me stories of that outpouring, and wow. that, and I'm talking with him in his DNA. Mm. his heart for revival. Uh-huh. I haven't talked with him in 42 years. I'd never met him like that. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd talk with him one time, you know, mm. one time I'm, I'm, I ended up having uh-huh. a conversation with him at a Cracker Barrel. But but that was that was it. But as we talked, we just saw how there was a spiritual DNA of coming to my parents, coming to Christ in revival, my mom and dad coming to Christ in revival. Yeah. And, uh, and, and found out that my dad, him leading my dad to Christ, that that was the last person that came to Christ in that church before he left. And you just see how that offshoot of his passion for revival just continues, which just makes you step back and go, okay, spiritual DNA is a real thing. Right. Know, That's exactly right. Revival move is a real thing. And yeah. uh, and God continues these offshoots of our work in just surprising ways. And so I can look back and I can see, okay, Glenn Shepard, spiritual DNA, Tom Tanner, spiritual DNA has just yeah. been de- deposited yeah. in me. And so now my life, I'm like, okay, God, I want to steward what you've given because i'm standing on the shoulders of just just giants in the faith yeah so So. you've invested tons of time significant time and energy in understanding the great moves of god i mean you get movement is what you're telling me and and you have uh have gone after it so what have you taken away from this you had a season when you studied this when you went deep into it not just generally but personally what have you taken away what about that study and, and, and understanding how the moves of God work, how has that changed you yet again? That he could even use me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know, <laughs> I know I had a 2.38 GPA in high school. <laughs> you know, I know how, how jacked up, you know, I've been, I know that I was arrested at 16 for shoplifting an Indigo Girl CD. If you're going to steal a CD, don't steal the <laughs> Indigo Girl. Like I know just now my, my life has been, I mean, I just look at, I look at my wife and I look at her faith and I'm just like, man, I'm so fortunate, so blessed to have her and mm-hmm. just so grateful that God would choose that he would choose or that he would allow me. So when I study these great moves and I see the people that God, that God used, it's like, man, that God, you could, you could even use 
excuse me, that God just, that he chooses and he looks, he looks for the desperate, like the desperation is the language of the, language of the kingdom. Right. And, um, yeah, so I, I think it raises my, my faith to think like, because God's really not looking for, he's not looking for superstars. He's not looking for celebrities. He's just looking for servants, for people who would, who would be broken over the things that, that break his heart and who would be willing to, to travail. And oftentimes it's those who were, who were hidden in back rooms and, you right. know, it's the, it's the people who are on their face and just have carpet that's just wet with tears or, or guys going, those are the ones that I'm, that I'm using the people who'd be willing to, to have a whole nother economy of ministry, right. Mm. Of what matters and, and, uh, and yeah. being willing to throw off all the things that, that that don't and that and to continue to travail even when you just when you just don't when you just don't see it and uh so yeah i think these great moves of god like it it bolsters my faith to believe that he could do it again but it also comforts me in knowing the kind of people that god god uses he uses people like um uses people like just ordinary people like like a guy from i mean raising my faith that god could use yeah, that he could even use uh, even use me, and I say that with all sincerity because I know like just how how yeah. ordinary you know um, yeah. my life is, and I'm surprised that sometimes he he would. So mm. so yeah, and just makes me grateful for the moves that I've I've been able to be a part of, and to see how um, how prayer is so um, central to right. experiencing this move. So yeah. Yeah, prayer prayer is huge. As, as as I mean, as the marker of so many of those uh, those outbreaks, and mm -hmm. and and the person who was praying was often, it seems to me, kind of flaky. You know, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. flaky but desperate, mm -hmm. and just crazy enough to believe that, you know, I'll just keep going after it, keep going after it, keep begging, 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 and then long past good sense it breaks out yeah. long past good sense a lot of people give up in good sense mm -hmm. yeah don't they? Mm -hmm. a lot of people a lot of people give up and they and they um and they give in i just think that's the the faithfulness to to continue to stay you know i just think about those those pastors who are right now just continuing to travail and continue to hold on and they're just not they're not seeing they're not seeing the fruit um but i think that's mm -hmm. why scriptures give us like you know, just don't give uh, we'll reap a harvest yes. if we do not quit. Yes. We can pivot on a lot of things, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but but we we can't pivot on what he's what he's called us to put our hand to. We hold, we continue. Amen. So yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's good. What's yeah. interesting is you know uh, you have told your story time and time again of how you ended up at Cross Point, and um, I never heard the Twelve Stone story how you ended up there. There's so much overlay. Um, mm -hmm. on how God moved to get you to 12 stone and how God opened doors and, and you in a back room and in your basement crying, you know, um, it ended up at cross point. I've been in Nashville now for just, just over four years. And, um, and so I've got friends that are on your staff and, uh, and were on your staff before you got there and that are still there. And, mm -hmm. um, when you came to town, I remember grabbing coffee with one of them and going like, I, I, I knew of you from, from 12 stone, uh, Carolyn and I had actually been to 12 stone a few times, I think to do some training stuff. And so I, I had seen you there. And, um, so I asked him, I was like, how, how's it going with Kevin? Da, da, da. And expecting, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting, honestly, but he said, 
man, we're doing like our whole staff is being invited to this like Tuesday morning prayer stuff mm-hmm. as a staff. And, and to see, I don't know, I've been a pastor for 12 years. My dad's a pastor, grew up in the church. I don't know if I have ever heard that be the first thing spoken of a new pastor. Mm-hmm. Usually mm-hmm. it's how great their sermons are, how great organizationally mm-hmm. they are, and all those things mm-hmm. are incredible. Um, but but the first thing out of this staff person's mouth about you and your leadership was he's calling us to prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now being in the Nashville area, like I said, I have seen the ripple effect mm-hmm. of, of your prayer life, that Tuesday morning staff prayer life, to, to then coming around the whole city. And, and, and I'd love for you to talk about kind of how prayer has, has done that in, this, in the city of Nashville, how you've gathered churches that have never gathered together before um, to seek God's face and, and share that kind of journey for a little bit of, of what you guys have been on. Wow. Um, hmm. I want to go back to when you said there was a lot of overlap between leaving 12 stone and leaving uh, Hebron and in transition. Um, transitions are the hardest part of life. Right. I mean, they're just, they're the hardest part of life, especially if we want to do them well. And when God calls, when we have an uh, Elijah, Elisha moment, when mm-hmm. we have a moment where, a mantle is put on or when we begin anew or we're leaving and old and Jesus said, I've got to go to other towns. That's why I come. We have those moments of transition and calling and sending. Like it's the hardest, it's the hardest part because we have to disappoint people that we love. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and so you, I mean, I think we, we have to know that we've heard from God that, that we, that it's time to leave. Yeah, we just we we have to we have to know, and it's out of that conviction and that wrestling and that travail and that prayer and that you know on our face that then we stand up and we go, this is what God said. I have to go. Mm. Not, right. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to uh, convince other people. I just have to know in the deepest places of who are who I am. I've had a call because because when we get to that next place, we're not filling somebody else's shoes. We're wearing our own. That's right. So good. So, That's right. Because God's God's put our feet at that place on the planet. And so then we don't have to if but if if we're if we're trying to climb a ladder, or if we're looking mm-hmm. for the next opportunity or if we're trying to make it make sense and uh, to others. I mean, we're we're in well, we will end up, you know, being enslaved to to pleasing to pleasing man. So I think those transitions, both of them were the hardest were the hardest things, even leaving my dad's company. Anytime God yeah. calls you to the next, it's gotta be, if we're, if we're leading from our hearts, mm-hmm. if it's yeah. not hard, we're not leading from our hearts. We're, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, we're, we're probably in the wrong, right? There's just, there's gonna be a challenge with transition. So all that to say, um, transition to, to Nashville and get, get to town. And, um, I called Tom Tanner on the way up. I said, Tom, I said, I think it's bigger than cross point why God's called me here. He said, Kevin, if it's not bigger than cross point, then don't go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He said, if it's not bigger than cross point, then don't go. And, uh, and I just had a deep sense it's bigger than cross point. I get to town and honestly, I'm I'm, my first staff meeting. I don't know what to do. I don't, I have no idea what I've never been a lead pastor before. And because of, um, because I I didn't have, I, I just, didn't have a playbook other mm-hmm. than we just got to get people praying. Like that's the only right. thing I knew to do. Yeah. And so, uh, so the staff, I was like, I, one time I asked one of the guys on staff, one of the leadership team, 
I said, what would it be like if I just invited the staff to an hour of prayer? He said, well, they've never, we've never done that before. They would probably think that's weird. And, I, and I'm like, good, my best play. They're going to think it's weird. <laughs> but, we, but we met, and I just think we made a container, and the Lord filled it with the oil. Like mm. we just made a container and we just say our prayer. So can I kind of tell you what that hour of prayer looked like just for some people who are going, okay, how do you do an hour of prayer? Yeah. And, uh, and this is just basically what we do. We, we get together, we began, and I, I basically, I printed out a card that we read, every, read the same card. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous. Like we read the same <laughs> card every uh-huh. time that we're praying. We're praying for revival in the church, for renewal in the church, for revival in the city, and for awakening across Middle Tennessee. So the, every time we said, this is clear, this is what we're praying for. We're here for intercession. I had three different guidelines for four different guidelines for intercession. And, uh, and then I ended up the back of the card was a place for people to write down. So we're going to spend the first part of our prayer and thanks and prayer. Then we're going to spend some time in, um, spend some time in worship. We just played music through Spotify, played three songs. Then I said, after that, we're going to come together and we're going to share if God gives a thought or if he gives a picture, if he gives a word, or if he gives a, you know, his intercessor, we'll pray those things. I didn't say words of knowledge. I didn't say prophetic. I didn't use any of the buzzwords because there were people who weren't familiar with that. Just, just say, Hey, if he gives you a thought, right. Yeah. And, uh, and what we saw is that in that prayer time, God did chiropractic work on the church, Come on, wow. a church that had been through a hard transition, mm-hmm. struggling to trust. We learned through prayer to trust God, trust his voice, pray together. And God brought a spirit of unity with that staff. I didn't require them to come to staff prayer. And he's, and he's optional. Yeah. Yeah. And I was told that. Yeah. 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 So it was just like, it was, it's optional. If you want to come, you can come. I don't care. I'm not taking, and I really don't care. Jesus wants us to value the twos and the threes in a prayer time. So we don't get caught up in counting how many people come to pray. Yeah. I think Jesus is saying, I really like it when two or three show up. Like, yeah. so if we'll, if we'll get on his economy of, of prayer attendance, like if we'll get right, then, then anything more than that, we'll just be pleased and glory to God. But like, I'm like, there's, so I had to really, we have to die to that. Of counting mm-hmm. how many people come to the prayer meeting, mm-hmm. then it's truly optional for people, because because forced intimacy doesn't exist. That's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, there has it, it's a it's a choice that we make. So yeah. So God did a healing work in the staff, and then I met a guy named Dave Clayton, who's a pastor in the city, Pastor Ciso's church, and talking with him, he came and we ended up meeting in the office. He saw I had a bunch of revival books. So Dave said uh, he saw those books in my in my office. Um, and he said, uh, he said, do you love those books? And I said, yeah. He said, I have those books. And I said, you huh. love revival? He said, absolutely. Said, you pray for revival? He said, yeah. I said, you know what we should do? We should find pastors in the city who are praying for revival. So let's go. Let's, let's talk with pastors. Tell them about we're going to get pastors to pray for revival. And if their eyes glaze over when they hear the word revival, we don't want them. But if their <laughs> eyes tear up, we want them in our group. And so let's get those guys. And so we got we got a bunch of bunch of guys. Sometimes it would be 15. Sometimes it would be 25, 30 pastors. And a lot of them were older than 50. Yeah, uh-huh. But we get together and, we, and God would just show up every time. Just like in that two spirit. And I think it's uh, in the Old Testament somewhere. Zechariah. That, I can't remember. I can't remember where the scripture is. But there's there's a scripture in the old Testament where he says, and I will pour out on Jerusalem. Zechariah 10. Zechariah 10. Spirit of grace and prayer. Yeah. Spirit of grace and prayer. Spirit of, yeah. Spirit of grace and supplication. He says, I'm going to pour out a spirit of prayer. I think that God's just looking for people to show up where he can pour out a spirit of prayer. Yeah. Like, and that's what we saw with the, with the staff. That's what we saw. It's just making those containers and on those, on those, uh, on those past, God just poured out the spirit of prayer on us. And then that grew to gathering churches together to pray for the city. And so then we started, Dave had this vision for Awaken Nashville, which is 
churches coming together, all different denominations, fasting and praying for 30 days and praying for the city by name, which is just this huge vision. And I told Dave, I was like, man, I'll run with you. I said, you can be Rocky. I'll be Apollo. Let's go. <laughs> and so like, he, and, and we just, we just, we just ran. And Dave is a credible leader, apostolic leader. He's probably 37 years old. And he's just become one of my dearest, one of my closest friends. We talk on the phone like middle school girls. We call each other <laughs> once or twice a day sometimes. But uh, but he's just become a running partner in the city, and uh, and it's just been incredible to see what God is, uh, what God's done. So, you know, I think it goes back to these small pockets of prayer, groups of prayer, and then God just, you know, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Because mm-hmm. Lord's allowed to see the work begin. He loves it when we just start gathering in prayer, and then He just starts. Add two. So, that's uh, it. so yeah, that's, that's kind of the story. That's it. Zechariah 12, not Zechariah 10. That's it's really powerful. Though. When you were even just talking about it, I was thinking, I, I know what he's, I know what he's going after. And that's just that, and that's <laughs> that, that's that, that's that heart to just see God pour out, you know, to pour out that spirit of grace and prayer. That's just, I mean, Jesus do that work, mm-hmm. pour it yes. out. You know, it's the, see, it's the bowls in revelation tipping over. Pour yes. out. All Prayers of the people. Good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So your church has is, is, is been through a lot this year, uh, yeah. more than most churches. Um, we're, I mean, the rest of the world is dealing with the pandemic, and um, lots of the larger cities are dealing with unrest. I, I don't know if at this, at this um, particular taping if, if Nashville is still dealing with that, but I know most larger cities are still dealing with some uh, protests and unrest. So not many though have also had on top of all that, the devastation of a tornado. Um, you and your church have experienced some real t- suffering. So you, you've got your church praying in the middle of some real suffering. So what has, what is all that, the, the combined effect of all the stresses and all the 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 wounds of this year what has it done to you and in you and through you what have you learned that that what works and what doesn't spiritually speaking Mm. it's been hard Hmm. it's been real hard Mm. it has to be it's it has been um there has been great uh, suffering. I think one of the things I, I've I've learned um, is that sadness is not a sin. Yeah, right. I think I grew up in and I grew up in great church. I had great church experiences, but somewhere along the line, I think I, I think I thought that sadness was in opposition to joy. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and that if I was sad, I didn't have joy. And I've learned this year that it's possible to have um, sorrow and joy in the same heart yeah and that um and that sadness is just as spiritual as as joy yeah and uh and that we take that sadness to the lord so there's been there's been great suffering you know i think one of the gifts was that over the past three years um as a staff we just asked jesus lord teach us how to pray as a church we just asked jesus teach us how to pray and i think he um he has been teaching us that and he's that's that's really been a that's been a gift that he gave us right. as we move through this through this yeah. time and um, because it is is hard yeah I think the tornado in many ways um, I couldn't I mean I remember there was one that right after the tornado happened I remember standing on the top of Jefferson Street Bridge looking out over the church and seeing that where it's just I mean the the wall one of the 
huge walls had been taken down, roof had been lifted off. And I'm looking into the church wow. by standing up on the bridge. And it was just that moment. And I, it was one of these moments where I couldn't see people in any direction. I looked to, toward Germantown, which is across the river, and I couldn't see people. And just from where I was standing, there, was, there wasn't a sign of, of, of humanity. And in that moment, I felt, as, as a point leader, I felt uh, probably the, the most uh, lonely that I felt as a leader in my life. Mm-hmm. I just thinking, oh, wow. I just... Nobody. And then in that moment, my first thought was, I'm going to call Ree. I'm going to call my wife because uh-huh. if I call her, I'll pick. So I grabbed my phone to take my phone out. And I felt like the Lord said, um, no, uh. I want you to feel it. Mm. Like I want you to enter into that because it would have been easy to call Ree. And I knew I would have medicated that feeling. But I felt mm-hmm. like God was saying, I want you to take that loneliness and take it to me. So, um, so one of the gifts was that a year before this, um, I found a, a guy named Chip Dodd, who was a who's a counselor, and he wrote a book called Voice of the Heart. And in that book, he talks about our hearts. He talks about the feeling, but he says you got to feel the feelings, you got to tell yourself the truth, and you have to embrace life on life's terms. Huh. And there's something about that feel the feelings, tell yourself the truth, where I was at my heart was to engage with my spirit with the just the truth of God's word and the truth. So yes. I feel lonely yeah. as a leader. I feel like I am all alone. I'm mm-hmm. on top of this bridge and I'm just, I feel like there's not another person who knows what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the truth is that we have a high priest who is not unable mm-hmm. to sympathize in our weakness and that Jesus yeah. felt alone too. But mm-hmm. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right. And in that time I drew such strength to that truth. But if I would have called Ree, Ree's amazing. She's my best friend. She's incredible. But in that moment, I needed my other best friend to give me a truth that I could yeah. only have. So what that's one thing that he's taught me in this is that feel the feelings and then remind yourself of what's truth through the power of the spirit. The spirit Jesus said, I'm going to send the spirit. It's going to teach you. It's going to remind you what I've taught you. And that's the reason we read the scriptures so that he has stuff to remind us of. If we're not reading the scriptures, he can't remind us. Things. But if we're constantly reading the scriptures, he's got yeah. stuff the Holy Spirit can draw on, can draw on and remind us in those times when he really reminds us of the truth. So that's, I mean, that's been a walking through in this. And I'll tell you a cool thing that happened. I was, uh, I was thinking, Hey, I want to read a book from a pastor who's been through a tornado. And so I started looking for a book and I couldn't find any pastors. And there are no books (laughs) on Amazon of pastors through tornadoes. And so I looked in the city for a pastor that had been through a tornado. And there was a church, an African-American church down the street, um, predominantly African-American uh, Mount Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. And I saw where they got hit by the same tornado. And I looked up this church and I found the pastor's name, Dr. Jacques Boyd. And I called him up. I said, hey, our church got hit by a tornado too. You want to talk? <laughs> and so we began a friendship. It oh. happened because both of our churches got hit by. And that happened before the the tornado of racial injustice and inequality mm. where that came to the surface. So yeah. our friendship happened before. Right. right. And it was like God went before us. Wow. And every step of the way, we can just see where God has, has gone before us and where yeah. he provided that friendship that I would need at a time when our when our church needed it, when our city needed it, when our country, like I needed that friendship. Yeah. And so yeah. he helped me navigate. He said, come walk with me. He took me mm-hmm. through his neighborhood and he taught me things I will never 
never forget will change the way that I leave, but I needed yeah. that relationship. Yeah. So yeah. it just goes to show how God can use it. And through a tornado, we've had to film our services. We can't go film in a broadcast. So we've had to go film in different places on the weekend to do online church. And, uh, and so we've had just some incredible, just the team has just come up with just incredible, just creative ideas on how we do worship and how we do teaching. We filmed in all kinds of locations across Middle Tennessee. But, uh, but I told Tim, I said, there is gold in this season if we'll mine for it. That's right. And so That's we just keep looking, right. for the, keep looking for the gold. And, uh, and some of us, it's just hard not to look for the dirt. But we've <laughs> got to be more in the good news than we are the world's news. Right. And there's so many, there's just the temptation to, to just devour the world's news. But if we will stay in that word and the spirit, spirit being prayer, word being the good news, reading the scriptures, those mm. two things together will help us see the gold and the creative ideas that God has for us to lead through. Well, that's, so. That is so powerful, you know, and it's so true. There, there is this line that, that, that the Lord invites us to walk on one side of it, of that line is sort of be a victim talk about how terrible all this is. And, you know, on the other side of that line is I'm doing okay. Everything's fine, which really doesn't, it's also, it's a little bit of denial, but it's also kind of insensitive because there are people dying and there are people who've lost a lot, you know? And so, but somewhere in the middle is this place that is where you remind yourself of what is true, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that yes. things, things are, things are really bad. And these have, these are really hard things to go through, but the Lord brings beauty out of ashes. That's right. Yes, he does. Yeah. It's, it's so, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, Kevin. Yeah. I, uh, I've recently, uh, probably last two or three months, uh, been coached by a friend of yours and, and we met yesterday and I asked him, I said, uh, I said, Tyler, you're around some of the greatest leaders. I said, what is, not just in this season, but but right now, like what is, what's a common denominator that you're seeing them do really well um, mm-hmm. that maybe others aren't doing? And uh, he thought about it and he just said, and he said exactly what you just kind of said and Caroline was speaking about. He said, they're hopeful. Yeah. They're hopeful. Yeah. And uh, he goes, we're not taking away the fact that we're walking through what we're walking through, but they're hopeful. And, um, and that's that line. You know, we... Uh, Season one, we walked through, uh, we would get kind of toward the end of the episode and, and, uh, and we had this section and this section is simply called the shoulder effect. And you even already said it without knowing about it. You just said, I stand on some great shoulders. Yeah. And that's been kind of my heart in ministry. It's um, to, to go after people, not in a weird way, but to read people and to, to stand on their shoulders, to, to take the kingdom of God and the gospel further than it had gone. But knowing I cannot do that without standing on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we know Tom Tanner was on last week and, and that has been somebody that, that has spoken into your life, mm-hmm. prayed over you. It's been a grace in your life. Mm-hmm. What has that relationship looked like over the years as from a college student to now a senior pastor and that kind of journey, but the relationship has stayed there. Tom is, is one of the people on this planet that that i i admire the most like and that i um that i i think i want to be like him let me tell you can i tell you a couple stories go for it one is the i want to be around him so i asked him will you teach me how to play golf he took me we went to the uga driving range and i never played golf and really i don't i kind of want to learn to play golf but i really just want to spend time with tom Mm -hmm. and uh and so i said i'll pay you and uh and so i think i was like 
all at like twenty dollars or something, and he took it. He did. He took it. <laughs> <laughs> he like, I love it because he. I took it seriously, you know, and uh, and uh, and so we got out there, and I took his seven iron, and my hands were so sweaty. I was so nervous. I went, and that seven iron went through the air, and he looked at it, and he was like. It's got good rotation. You know, like, <laughs> just, uh, as I ran out and I had to go get it on the driving range, get his club. Tom, he's, he's so, he's, he's a strong leader and he leads with spiritual authority. This is what I saw in him is he leads with such spiritual authority, but there's such a, there's such a tenderness and a gentleness when it comes to others. And I'd never mm-hmm. seen that in a, I'd never seen that in a man um, before where there was this, there was this hospitality, the spiritual, mm-hmm gift or i would even say a mandate of hospitality yeah. when the bible talks about what elders should be like and yeah. that there should be this hospitality. And i remember when Rhea and i we went to go speak at his church one time and we went there and he asked um he asked what our kids like to eat and when we got to the church he had made us a picnic basket and he had gotten mm-hmm. all the things from this he had gone to the store not his assistant mm-hmm. you know not that he delegated to somebody else but he went to the store and he got these things to get what our kids and i was thinking i've never met another leader like that. He was the one, he married Rhea and I, um, and you know, he was, he was stood with us on that day, but then there were many other days where he would just come up and we'd just meet up. We didn't, we didn't have like a set meeting time. It's just when, when as a leader, I think it's important that we don't tell people, we don't tell things to people who can't help us. I'm talking about our personal problems. Mm. I, I think what happens sometimes is we talk about vulnerability. It's important to be vulnerable to God, like sometimes we don't need another company. We need a cave to go get along with the Lord. And right. it's important to be vulnerable with people who can help us. Mm. And yeah. so I, I try to, I try to take the things that I need help with to the people who can help me. And Tom is one of those voice when things reach a boiling point, when I'm like, man, I, I don't, I'll call Tom. And he's always been so kind in that spirit of hospitality to make space. Henry now says hospitality is making space for people that we don't have to make space for. And that's what, that's what Tom does. He makes space in his life, makes space in his schedule, makes space in his calendar, makes space in his heart for a leader on the other side of town to lead in the church and, um, and to be able to make investments. And he's come and he spoke to our staff and he would, but it was just, it was those times when I needed it, mm-hmm. yeah. when I really didn't have a whole lot of other people to, to talk with about those things. Tom yeah. made space and, uh, and then it's been picking up the phone and asking for advice, for wisdom, for counsel. He's, uh, he's always been great. Listen, I can go back and remember those conversations, and I remember things he said, but I remember his heart. Mm-hmm. I remember that uh, that whenever I yep. had a conversation with him, it was like I was the only person. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just makes me go like, as a leader, like, does that person sitting across the table from me? Do they feel like they're the only person, like they're the most important person in the yeah. world right now? I think that's how Jesus looked at people, you know. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah. when you when you find a leader like that. Um, man I, I it's not just i admire i aspire mm-hmm. like yeah. to, to lead to lead like that and the longevity we just seen so many who have who have, who have let go and who right. have um who have let go of their call and let go of holiness let go of, of the pursuit of jesus and uh and so to have tom like tom you keep chasing jesus and i'll keep chasing jesus and chasing you like i'll just keep keep keep, right. keep going because i want to be in this for the long haul so yeah and now you're mentoring tom's son pouring in pouring into tom's son at least which you know brings back reverberations in our first season we interviewed george acevedo um wes old's father poured into george and now george is pouring into wes 
and then Wes is actually pouring into George's son. I mean, this, this, it's, that's really special when you have those kind of generational, um, uh, just, the, just the generational connections. And so what's the benefit of that kind of multi-generational ministry? Important. What do you think God's doing there? Uh, well, so about a, uh, I guess about a year ago, Mason and Hannah and Bolton and Mia, their family, uh, Mason's Thompson, he, uh, he moved up to Nashville to come and lead a uh, community ministry at our Nashville, Nashville campus. And, uh, and so Mason is, is layers down kind of, if you look like for, on an org chart, he'd be mm-hmm. layered, but, but just so close to my, my heart. So I was like, I want to figure out time. How, how can I make it? How can we spend time together? Cause it could be hard on big staff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Hey, if you want to, and he moved down to Franklin where we live. So I was like, man, if you want to come work out together, we work out together in the morning. Like we can, so he comes over to the house at six o'clock and we, uh, and he's my, he's my workout, my workout partner. And, uh, wow. the other day we were working out and I mean, we'll work out for a while and then we'll just sit around and we'll talk and, um, and I just, I, I love so much of what I hear from him just reminds me of Tom, Tom, sorry, and Melissa, Tom's wife and her, her heart. And I just, yeah. man, it, so it encourages me to be with him. And then anything I can say and do to encourage him. I remember when he was, um, I remember when he was, gosh, he was, he was a kid when I was at Wesley Foundation. And I remember thinking, Man, you were blessed. I mean, I have a great dad, but I remember thinking, man, you're blessed to have a dad like Tom Tanner, you know. <laughs> and then to see him, to see him lead like his like his dad, you know. I mean, yeah. it's just encouraging to watch. And then anything I can do to pour kerosene on that fire, I mean, I'm just I'm just all about it. So yeah. we talk, and that was really cool. And so we our workout time, we end up having the other day. He told me I was lifting a kettlebell, and he said, "Come on, use your old man strength." I'm like, man, don't, 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 don't oh, easy now. Sorry, he can't. He can't say that in the office, but uh, <laughs> he can say that in the gym. All spare in the gym. All spare at the gym. Yeah, but he. Yeah, what a what I'm really real, It's a real honor culture, is what it is. Real honor. That's culture. right. We, but it's it's been encouraging, and my my daughter actually uh, babysits for mm. uh, for them regularly and so my daughter's mm. making an investment and you know in their children and mia and then uh and then bolton and uh and so it's just been it's just been a real special uh relationship so what i'm hearing in that is is first of all finding those creative ways to keep to keep the oil pouring finding mm-hmm. those yeah. creative ways and and uh, and that and that there is I mean, there, there is an effort in that, you know, I mean, you could have just guarded your six o'clock hour, but instead you've chosen to give it away. And then God has given back through that. And so, mm. boy, we, in an individualistic world and mm. in a transactional culture, we need to reclaim the ministry of pouring in, seeing ourselves yes. as responsible yeah. for, for you know, what is what Paul said to Timothy, you know, your mother gave it to you. You need to give it to the next generation. Right. You keep pouring mm-hmm. in, keep pouring in. This is how the kingdom comes, right? Yeah. And Karen, I, Carol, I think, um, Carol, I think the, the thing that for me has been like hard is being a senior leader and just getting, I, it's, it's hard to invest in, with the organizational, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this wrong, right? Um, <laughs> when I'd want to say it right, 
it's hard to invest in somebody layers down in the organization that you're not able to give the same time. And I just think what Andy Stanley said when he said, Mm -hmm. do for one, what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one, what you wish you could do for all. And, uh, and sometimes we have to press back against the polity and, and the, and just go, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pick somebody and I'm going to make investment in them. And it's because God has put it in my heart to do this. Um, and it might not make sense to everybody, but, but Jesus had a way. He developed the one and he developed the three and he developed yeah. the 12. And we just can't get away from his model. And not everybody's going to understand. Um, mm-hmm. Philip was the one that was always on the outside of the three, you know, and I wonder how yeah. did Philip feel? And I felt like Philip sometimes, yeah. but, uh, but I've also had people who have pulled me into that three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that's, that is, that is key. That's beautiful. So, yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you for spending time with us today and pouring into us. And letting what God has poured into you overflow into this conversation, and 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 I'm honored to be uh, in the same area and and working on the kingdom alongside you guys. And uh, I want to ask you this last question: When I talk to Carolyn about other pastors and leaders from afar, um, the thing I'm looking for as I as I either watch the church they're doing and learning from them, or hear them teach or preach or do ministry or hear from their staff. Um, this is what I'm looking for, and this is what I see in you. So hopefully this is affirming. I see a man who is desperate to be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. see a man that is desperate to be in the presence of God. And then just simply for God to to pour through him, and wherever it can pour out, let it pour out. Mm-hmm. And um, when I've heard you, when I spent time with you today, and I've heard you teach um, from afar, uh, I walk away wanting to be more like Jesus mm-hmm. and wanting to be more in his presence. And, um, and so thank you for the times yeah. in the closet, the yeah. times on your face, the yeah. times, um, with your wife, um, cause we all know how important that is with our spouse. Um, and, and thank you for how you're leading your family, your church, your staff, and this yeah. community. Um, we are all very grateful for it. Yeah. Well, amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, let me, let I want to, I want to, yeah, I want I also just want to, I want to say thank you for the conversations that, that you're both having. I mean, um, Carolyn, when I met you, we talked up in, uh, was it Washington? That was this year when, was uh, when we talked year? out. It, it was about 10 years yeah, ago. It was, COVID uh, time. It, was 10 years, it was 2020. It was back in, yeah. uh, back in February, the end of February. Okay. And just, uh, your heart for, for revival and, uh, and heart to see awakening and, um, and your, um, you know, I think, I think coming from a Baptist upbringing, then moving into a Wesleyan tradition. Yeah. And uh, and seeing the the dignification of a woman's voice, yeah, and has helped me um, dignify my own wife's voice. I say that's the biggest breakthrough for us is that mm. through being a part of um, of Twelve Stone and going, man, my wife, she has um, that our relationship changed when I dignified her voice. Mm. But then um, your your preaching and your teaching, um, my friend David Walters was talking about you and was saying. You know, he's just saying you you are a powerful proclaimer of God's of God's word, and uh, and so I want to thank Man. you for in a day when I believe that um I, I think we're we're just in that time where those who have oil in the lamp it's their time, yeah. and um and it's men and women who have oil mm-hmm. in the lamp who are willing to stand and preach, and how blessed you two are to uh, to be mm-hmm. family, and uh, and to be able to to carry mm-hmm. this uh yeah to carry this mega megaphone that you uh, yeah. that you have of um, of revival and of holiness and calling people to it. So Yeah, I'll tell you, when we release the whole people of God, 
to preach the whole world of God, I mean, the whole word of God, we will see the kingdom come in power like we, we imagine when the other 50%. <laughs> Yes, it's on the field. There's going to be no holding it back. Um, When I see what God is up to right now, you tell me what you think God is up to right now. But when I see what God is up to right now, I see him. I see him mobilizing the most unlikely. And Mm. it's it's going to be one of those surprise plays, you know, where Mm. where 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 women, uh, you know, right now we see it. Women are leading the charge in a revival that's happening in, in Iran. Who would ever have scripted that? Women are planting, um, uh, are, are holding Bible studies in China and they're planting churches. They're, they're the persons of peace walking into the tribal areas in Northern India. And, uh, and, and God is, you know, taking people from Lawrenceville, Georgia, and sticking them in Nashville and doing amazing, amazing works. Where do you see God moving right now, Kevin? Where do you see him mm. moving? I'll tell you the picture that's just been hanging around is that we had a wave. There was a wave of the spirit. There was a wave of revival of renewal that came. And then the tide has receded. Yeah. And I think we thought things were a lot better than they were. Mm. And so I think the tide has receded for us to look around and go, wait a sec, there was, there was a lot more injustice than we knew. Yeah. And there was a lot more racial tension than we, than we knew. Yeah. There was a lot more racism than knew. There was a lot more inequality when it comes yeah. to genders than we, than we knew, right? Yeah. It's time for men and women to stand up. Like, I think where that wave has receded for us to go, hey, there, there need to be, um, there need to be some, some changes and we need to pray into some things that I don't think we've, I didn't see like I needed mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think there's, there is another wave coming. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that, uh, I, I think this could be the midnight cry. This could be the last great awakening before, um, before Christ's return. I mean, it yeah. seems like it just, it could just be a setup. So I think it's our job to keep oil in the lamp according to the story, right? Amen. We keep yeah. the, we keep the oil in the lamp so that we're, so that yeah. we're ready. So this is time for us to, for us to have lamps that are full Wicks that are trimmed, and uh, and then when yes. he comes, we got we can, you know, we're ready to to call him in, and yeah. he, there will be a bride so sweeping up into the kingdom. Yeah, the bridegroom returns. So yeah, you know, and I was I was with a, a group of intercessors earlier today, and and somebody said, "What if we're in lap number seven? You know, Gideon, mm. <laughs> walking the walls. What if this yeah. is lap number seven? How yeah. awesome would that be, <laughs> my right. friends?" Mm. Wow. Listen for the trumpet, people. Good. Listen for it. Amen. So good. Such a pleasure to be with you, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you God so bless much. you. And uh I look forward to finding time to be with you the next time I'm in Nashville visiting the cutest people in the world. I'd love you for you to come speak to our speak to our staff, spend time with us and peers. We got no excuse not to uh not to connect up. So uh, that's so right. We'll to, that's right. Uh, we'll does the make, does the seven does the seven iron still stay in your hands? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm teaching. Hey, I'm teaching my kids to play golf. And, Isn't that the uh, best? And so there, we played for the first time last Saturday. Come on the on. first, on the first hole, I just said, "Hey, let's put the scorecard away." <laughs> so yes. and have fun and i think god yeah. is calling us as pastors right now to say hey just put the scorecard away yeah oh yeah the way you were keeping score before put the scorecard That's away i want you to i want you to enjoy that we're out there that we get to with the father yes. our mission's the same 
just put the how we measure is is different now. Yeah. But uh, but man, it's it's there's God activity if we have eyes to see it. So I could keep talking with y'all forever. But thank you. Love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, any day with uh, three Georgia Bulldogs on the podcast is a good day. <laughs> um, but but deeper than that, you know, I'm so thankful for Kevin to take some time and spend with us. And, you know, he is somebody that I have seen from afar leading and is better up close, you know. And yeah. uh, I think there's just so much like we're going to break down some of this interview, and what we loved about it and what we learned and what we're gleaning from. But um, I loved his gentleness just just such a sweet and gentle spirit and you and i have experienced that even in our communication with him you know both our our personal communication with him both Mm -hmm. before and after this conversation just a genuine um heart for god and heart for people i was so grateful to him i loved what he printed on those cards do you remember he said uh he printed it out on a card to keep his people on track renewal in the church revival in the city awakening in the body of christ right i want i want those cards right renewal in the church revival in the city awakening in the body of christ that that we should all be giving ourselves so completely to that kind of prayer yeah that's it that's it and and i mentioned this in the podcast but you know i'm i'm in his backyard he's in my backyard we right we serve the same um city and areas and uh and I've got good, good, deep friendships with with people on his staff. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, one of them, um, him and I do the same job uh, for what he does at Cross Point, what I do at our church, and uh, and we regularly have coffee on my front porch um, early mm-hmm. on early in the mornings to talk about to talk about um, church and life and Jesus things and and how God's moving. And I have been so impressed um, to or so thankful to mm-hmm. see. Uh, if you haven't heard the story, we don't talk about it. You can go find it. If you haven't not heard the story of how he ended up at Cross Point in the first place, um, just yeah. Google it. Just Google like yeah. Google Kevin Queen Cross Point story. Um, it is a story of, of of God moving and directing, and and now being a few years in uh, to see the to see the fruit um, yeah. in our city uh, because the way he's allowing and 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 being obedient to the call God has on his life yeah. um, is, One of is the a names testament that, to that. Right. One of the names that he mentioned, Pierce, uh, is a name that has come up for me m- at least one or two other times in recent weeks. It's Ravenhill, hmm. um, which is someone that we all need to read. And when I, when I hear a name being repeated over and over, I, I know that that's the Holy Spirit pricking me, you know, come on, go, go find, this is somebody who, who's, whose words are going to make a difference in your life. So if you're looking for something, a place to start in your mm. reading about the history of revival, Ravenhill is a, is a really good one to look at. And actually he's not that old. He's, I mean, Ravenhill was mid uh, 20th century. His son is still alive. His son has recently released a book and I'll have to come up with the name of that one, but his son is re- his son-in-law has, excuse me, his son has recently released a book and, so there's there's a whole stream out there of of people who are hungry who are praying for revival and and so many we don't hear about because as Kevin said there is this whole other economy of ministry 
it happens by twos and threes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not the big gatherings. It's not the, the lights and smoke machines. It's two or three people gathering on Zoom, gathering in person, praying year after year after year. And friends, God will honor their prayers. There will, yeah. there will be revival. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So thank you for being with us today for another just great conversation as we dive into those things that we talk about, which mm -hmm. is, you know, practical holiness, supernatural ministry, and, and generational encouragement. And yeah. so thank you for being with us today. This is a New Room Network podcast. We're so thankful for the people over at New Room. We love y'all, and we'll yeah. see you next Tuesday. Take care of yourselves.